Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to the show. With me, I have a very special and a very honored guest to talk to me about a project that they just released. But before we get into that conversation, make sure to follow the podcast on Spotify and subscribe to it on iTunes. And if you like a particular episode, make sure to share it on your social medias. All right, special and honored guests, do you want to introduce yourself? I think you should do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Um, with me is acclaimed uh, Black gay comedian, Samson McCormick. I am very, very honored to have you uh, on the show to talk to me about your project, Church Boy. And I also want to talk to you about um, just being a Black gay comic and um, uh starting out in the comedy business um but yeah i am just very very honored to have you on here oh thank you Jalen. i'm happy <laughs> to be here talking to talking to one of my brothers like this is so good we're gonna have fun yes um so i did some research uh preparing for this interview and i have two questions i want to ask you one how was it working for ups busted <laughs> so you did do your research okay so when i worked for ups um it was i was about uh 19 or 20 or something okay. like that i was really young um and i thought i was grown and i really had a great time of course looking at all those delicious men in those brown uniforms so yes great. i can imagine um, Oh my God, you're talking about the, the, what are those things called? Hormones? My hormones were all over the place. Um, so there was that, but there, there, it, it, it also taught me a lot just about, you know, race. Um, you know, when you, how to, pe how to treat people in, in the service industry. Um, yeah. I think everybody should work in certain, some sort of food retail, service retail, some sort of something that serves the public for at least six months. Yeah. Um, you know, I think in school, they should teach you what that's like. It definitely gave me a deep respect for people in the service industries. Um, and I've never told anybody this on a podcast. That was the first job I ever got fired from. Oh, dang. Do you, I got, I do got you care to share how you got fired? Since well, I'm getting this exclusive. <laughs> this is exclusive. Child, I was over there stealing at the cash register. Girl! I know, I know, and it, and and don't beat me up for it because um, I'm not a thief. But I'm gonna tell. Let me, what yeah. had happened? What yeah. had happened was, <laughs> uh, you know, I was you know 19, 20, and um, I've always had a lot of responsibility. So uh, I was still living at home with my mom at the time, mm -hmm. part time anyway, and I also had a boyfriend. Uh, and I was supporting both of them financially. So I was paying my mom's bills and I was paying my boyfriend's bills and I was taking care of myself. And, oh, okay. um, and I didn't have the thing that, that people have to learn called boundaries, you know, those things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that was a very expensive lesson. So, yeah. uh, I was going in that cash register cause I needed some lunch money and, 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 and they did an audit and I was going to put it back, but I, I they did the yeah. audit before I could put it back. And next thing I know, three, $400 later. Dang. Yeah. And was this before you had, were doing comedy professionally? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, I've been doing comedy professionally since I was 16. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so they, I was, I was doing it. Yeah. You know. So the yeah. UPS job was just to kind of like 
have like a stable kind of like income um while you were doing comedy yes i yeah. was i was supplementing my income but yeah. i was still doing like little showcases and open mics and you know yeah. and stuff like that what were some of the first gigs you remember getting when you were like 16 starting off oh lord oh you asking all the dangerous questions <laughs> now um you know of course this is back in the day before everything got the way it is now so uh you know anywhere i could perform churches yeah um especially the church lord have mercy it was just church all the time and it was like and you can't you know you can't cuss so don't cuss <laughs> and, um and we want jokes out of the bible and i would just say smart <laughs> stuff i'd be like well dang i gotta change my whole set because all of it was about bitches and hoes <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh you know, it was churches, it was, which, which taught me how to be family friendly, and we're going to get into that later, uh, but, you know, it was, it was churches, it was uh, senior citizen homes. Okay. If you go back and look at some of my old stuff, I make jokes about performing at senior citizen homes. Okay. Um, of course, uh, gay clubs, I started doing gay clubs and STD clinics. I was performing hmm. at STD clinics. Oh, nice. Hmm. So it's just strip, all yeah. strip clubs. Yeah, so just all <laughs> very, very a variety of places. Uh, uh, any, yes. Anywhere. Any. Anywhere that would let me on stage, I would go do it. Um, and so you you grew up in North Carolina or were born in North Carolina? So here's the thing, yeah. and I need to start start representing a little bit better. So my family is from North Carolina. Uh -huh. I'm from D I'm from DC. Okay. Uh, and I grew up partially in North Carolina. Okay. Um, but I don't know. You know, honestly, Jalen, it took me moving from DC, which I yeah. moved from. I'm, I left DC uh, eight years ago. It took me leaving DC to really be able to embrace being from DC. Yeah. And so, would you consider DC like the South? Um, what would you consider DC? Oh yeah, DC is the South. Okay. Sure. So DC is country as hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I think I also share that like moving from the south to now i'm in oregon and i fucking hate it um oregon what yes. are you doing in oregon i'm here for grad school um yeah i'm here for grad school and i don't plan on staying i'm not, i'm gonna pray for you baby uh, I know, I know oregon yeah. I'm, what part of oregon um so eugene it's uh two hours away from portland it's uh one it's like a, it's a city, but it's a it's a smaller city. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. Um, what is there to do in Eugene, Oregon? Um, be around a bunch of smelly white people. Oh my God, I'm gonna pray for you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> when you, if if you ever want to break away, I am I am a hour and a half, two hour plane ride away from you in L.A. Oh. Bring your black ass to LA if you don't want to come to LA. Go to Oakland. There's plenty of black queer people in Oakland. Yes. You know, it's it's yeah. it really is a a different reality when you leave, especially the East Coast, as a black person. Yeah, and come yeah. to the West Coast yeah. because black culture is not out here. Yes, and I w I wanted to ask you um about like what was that. Yeah, what was that transition like from moving from like the South, the East Coast over to the West Coast? What was that transition like? Depressing and high, you know, um, um, I started doing drugs. Oh, dang. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it was it was a lot. It, it definitely is a culture shock because 
you know, especially in California, people here, they, I don't know, people move out here and they lose their minds. Yes. Um, you know, back east, if somebody don't like you, you know they don't like your ass. Yes, yeah. Whereas here, people are nice to you just in case. Just in case you have a connection I may need, just in case you, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's always a just in case. And, you know, I, I like back east because they're like, I don't give a fuck what you get. I don't like your motherfucking ass. Yeah. And, yeah. and I can respect that a lot more. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, And also, like, just with my experience moving out here, like, the, like, the, (laughs) the white people are, like, totally different. Like, in the South, you, you know, you see white people who are obviously racist, and you're like, okay, I just won't fuck with you. But then you move over here, and you, like, meet people that are, like, not, like... (laughs) It's like they're racist, but they don't appear to be or like don't they don't say they are. But then they it's just yeah, it's just very um, and it like really messes with me mentally because I'm like, you know, this person said they that they were, you know, in support of my life, essentially. And they're doing exactly the opposite of that. And then just the town, like the town and state in general passes itself off as this like, um, like, progressive liberal. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. let me tell you something. White liberal, and there's some really good ones. And and you know, it's we definitely need to we need to you know give them their props. There are yeah. some white accomplices, mm-hmm. you know, who who really do the work. And 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 this is another truth because I like telling the truth about this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. All of them are not Democrat. There are some Republican. Mm. I'm just gonna put that out there. I know it's weird, but it's a lot of stuff that'll fuck with your head out here. There are yeah. some woke, woke white Republicans. They might do that stuff for financial reasons or whatever, but I do know some of them mm-hmm. who will come back to the black community. They fund black art. They fund black churches. Mm-hmm. They pay rent for black people. They bail black people out of jail and stuff, but they are Republican for, you know, financial reasons or whatever, whatever. Just like yeah. there's some fucked up Democrats out here. We hear Democrat, mm-hmm. we, you know, we think that absolves people of their racism or their it bullshit doesn't. and it, it does not Mm-mm. it does not so we need to judge these white people individually on their actions mm. yeah yeah okay yeah yeah i i'm still stuck on the i i i well i do know Repub. i do know a few republicans that i do converse with i would i don't know if they're um i don't i don't know if i've seen uh on them on the level of what you're saying so i'm just really yeah i'm really curious about this kind of republican i i've met them you know just like you know kim davis that white you know clerk who wouldn't gay people she was a democrat and then you'll turn around and you will meet some you'll meet some republicans who you know um anna what's her name anna navarro she's on cnn um Mm -hmm. She's a Republican, but if you, if she did not say it, you just listen to the you way that know. she talks about. You wouldn't know, mm. and so that's the thing. It's just like that's why I'm really, and I understand that we got a we got a real monkey in the White House right now, <laughs> but you know, um, people really need to put politics aside and understand when things affect people. Yeah, like you know, yeah. and and politics those are those are little nuances that people have. You know, those are preferences that people have. You know, okay, well, you think people should make their money this way. I think people should make it this way. Okay, we can agree to disagree on that. But when it comes down to fundamental civil and human rights, that should not be up for debate. And there are some Republicans, and I'm not talking about 
you know, again, Republicans, and a lot of them are, most of them are fucked up. Mm-hmm. But there are some out there, like I said, who have, and, and I'm saying this as a black gay man who's been in the entertainment industry for 20 years. I have had white Republicans pay me money to good money, money that my own community has never offered me to get on stage and tell white people about themselves. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. tell me, they say, I'm paying you X amount of money and I want you to go out there and I want you to let them have it. Mm-hmm. That's an accomplice. Huh. Well, okay. <laughs> um, I'm just saying. Yeah. I, okay, so still on this topic, there was another like there was another question I wanted to follow up with you on so I was watching um I think you were with on T.S. Madison um and you had mentioned that you were in a club in San Francisco and they were like putting glass in the drinks oh yeah so and I believe I need to go back and do my research I believe they just closed that bar down okay. last month uh, okay uh because you know COVID happens but uh, racism is very prevalent in San Francisco, mm-hmm. you know, just like it is in West Hollywood. You know, we don't like to talk about it because people here in L.A., they think, oh, progressive and wonderful. No, it's not. Yeah. Um, and just like uh, in, in uh, the Castro, racism is very heavy. And there's some clubs that you will go to. You feel unwelcome as soon as you walk in. You know that you're not welcome. Mm. Um, but they can't tell you to take your black ass out of there, so they will act like they don't see you at the bar. They will, uh, you know, not allow you to check your code in. Or you'll go order a drink and you'll be sipping it, and then you get down to the bottom and you start to taste glass get in your mouth. Wow. And, and, and things like that do happen. Yeah. I... I never like I've been to San Francisco like twice and um I, I in general I never feel comfortable at uh bars in general um yeah I I yeah now I, now yeah. I I did forget to tell you this too now don't get me wrong I like the way glass tastes glass is good but it's, <laughs> let me request let me request the glass now I'm just playing but um yeah it's, that it's real it's it's real and I'm not I'm not surprised that yeah. you know we share similar experiences yeah well um I'll have to try some glass then <laughs> yeah try some you know and tell them you like it extra fine up in there see this is when they give me the coarse glass that's when I <laughs> that's when I have a problem I had to say something <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's get into some classic shit so Samson uh you have a song for this segment what is that song and what are some lyrics that stand out to you about it i picked two or three songs so oh, okay see. well I'm, I'm listening i'm listening to it but so i'm just gonna give you i'm just gonna give you one of the songs that i'm okay. listening to right now okay i think it, it has to be sugar free by juicy okay and what are some lyrics that stand out to you about it like what makes you like it Number one, it's a bop. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's just like I think it came out like the eighties or something. Uh-huh. It's like one of them. It's the summertime, and so it's just like I'm sugar free. I'm I'm gonna get a mix of this now. I'm sugar free. Uh, 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 uh. All my sugar's gone. It's gone away. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like 
I don't know all the lyrics. I can hear them in my head. Yeah. But that's my song right now that I'm picking. Okay. What were the what were some of the other songs? I'm curious. Uh okay, so I'm my old head. How old are you? I am twenty five. Oh baby. <laughs> you're gonna need to google some of these artists. i am i am Ooh. so another one is gap band i'm I'm doing gap band right now um early in the morning it's a it's another bop um and i'm from dc so i'm gonna throw some i'm gonna throw some uh go-go up in there i'm gonna throw some work the walls up in there by <laughs> rare essence okay and yeah what what yeah tell me about these songs i don't i don't know them <laughs> Oh my god! I know it's like everybody is listening to, and I don't get me wrong. I'm listening to the WAP and the, yeah. and and all the other stuff that's out right now, but it's just like that's music you listen to on the way to the club. Mm-hmm. I have to listen to some stuff I can jam to, and see, I'm telling my age now, <laughs> but you know, it, I have to be able to jam to some stuff. And I, have you been to DC before? uh pass through yeah i haven't oh really God. actually like been there been there how and how long ago was that uh maybe uh four years ago uh, <laughs> i wish i wish that you would have gotten an opportunity to experience the real dc yeah where I, yeah i only saw the like tourist stuff i didn't like yeah I want to come up to Oregon right now and get you and take you to DC before yeah. they, before they gentrify it even more than they have. Oh, um, you know it's we have Go Go. I don't know if you know anything about Go Go music. Uh, yeah, I've I've heard of of Go Go. <laughs> you know, some people either like love it or hate it. It's one yeah. of the two. Uh, but I have been wearing out Junkyard Band. I've been wearing out EU. You know, um, the butt. I don't know if you heard the butt before. A-A. Oh, okay, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the butt, uh, Junkyard Band, Rare Essence, Chuck Brown, TCB. Um, Go-Go is where it's at. Yeah, it's, I, I, don't, I don't listen to or watch anything that, that everybody else looks at. Yeah. Um, I'd be in my own little world. I, well, uh, this is introducing me to some uh, some music I need to check out. I'm always looking for uh, stuff that isn't always played on the radio all the time. You so, have to. Uh, yeah. it's The industry has changed so much. You know, there used to be four or five channels that you could go through to, to get heard or be seen and stuff. But now it's so expansive. You yeah. really do, and that's and that's what that's that's one of the really great things about where the industry is now. Is, and I'm encouraging listeners too. You know, just look around on the internet. Just turn off Netflix. Turn off all that stuff. Get on YouTube. Um, look at people's independent films. Yeah. Listen, look at their uh, independent music videos. There is some great stuff, and there's a lot of it is from black, gay, lesbian, and trans artists. Mm-hmm. you know um people often complain oh well we don't have this we don't have that it's because we aren't going to support the stuff that's out there it's, you know people aren't going to magically get a get a record deal or get on television it's like people have to support you yeah yeah and yeah i think it would just yeah i've been wanting to I, I, yeah that's just cool to me that a lot of this music is coming from black 
queer and trans people because um yeah i just i i i think a lot of like a lot of our history is just erased and we 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 don't we spend a lot of time like trying to learn about it and don't really like know where to go so um yeah this is just yeah i'm really grateful for hearing about all of this all of these artists and yeah i'm, yeah, I'm definitely gonna have uh, to check them out yeah. now black queer artists uh there's some great singers you know there's uh, a few of my favorites um of course you know there's delon burnside who is on pose okay uh, he plays ricky on pose yeah he has a new single out called silence okay um Jesse Smollett, who was on Empire, has a great album out called Some of My Music, S-U-M of My Music. Hmm. Um, there's also uh, DDM, who's a rapper out of Baltimore. He's one of the most amazing live performers I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. Um, and then you got other people that, even though I don't like him, you know, Mickey Blanco. Um, and when I say I don't like him, that's not me taking anything away from his artistry. I just think he's messy. But... <laughs> He's messy, but because I don't want people to go listen to him and then look him up and be like, why ain't you telling me about this messy bitch? He's messy, but, you know, messy people can can create great art. You know, sometimes that's their path. Um, yeah. Azalea, Azalea Banks is another yes. one. There's some, yeah. some folks out here we got to support. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for uh, sharing these artists with me. And I knew I knew a few of them, but the more the ones from the 80s i need to go back and now the ones from that. The, now the people from the 80s those you know they might have been gay and stuff in the oh. but okay. those people those people aren't gay but the ones that i just told you about now now i will say those songs that i've been telling you about yeah you know the gap band the go go that has been the soundtrack to a lot of gay shit that I've done. Okay. And parties that I've been to and men that I done had up in my house. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's dope, but, but those aren't queer artists. But definitely okay. check out the folks that I uh, mentioned. And check out check out another one, too, who can sing his ass off, uh, Duran Bernard. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that was some classic shit. So I want to first start off by like talking about like um, just stuff in general about like your comedy and um, like I kind of kind of asked you some of this before, but we can retouch on it and then we can talk more about Church Boys. So um, where would you say you got your humor from? I think uh, black people are funny. So I think that that is innate in, in most of us. Um, yeah. You know, it's can all of us get on stage? Hell no. But, <laughs> you know, some shit can go down at a picnic or a family reunion and we can say some shit and bam, you know, everybody has a good laugh. So from us as one, just being around family, friends, uh, you know, family reunions, picnics, block parties. Is your, where's your, where's your mic at? It's kind of like uh, covered. Shit. Oh shit! What about now? Oh yeah, it's much better. I think it fell up under my my uh my titty, but um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's you know I think a lot of it was developed being in spaces where black people go to have a good time. Yeah. Um, I heard my father was funny. Um. Uh. He was definitely a magician. I know that because he disappeared. No, I'm just playing. And then um, <laughs> my mom, 
my mom is funny. I, yeah. I listen to her sometimes. She's funny. And um, yeah, I think it's, I think I have it genetically. I think funny is genetic. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, I know uh, a lot of your comedy uh, or a lot of your, your comedy routines come from stories from the church. So yeah. Would you say like being in the church, like growing up in the church had some influence on your comedy? 100%. You know, the same way that um, you can, you can buy an R&B album and you can listen to somebody sing and tell they were influenced by the church. Yeah. It's the same way. Some of the best artists, even if they aren't gospel artists, have come out of the church. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. I'm just... Yeah, the church is a is a is a fun place. Uh, it's, it's a fun, a fun place, place, and it's a uh, sometimes not so fun place. <laughs> it, it's a fun place, and I'm also tell you as as many skills are developed there, we don't talk enough about how much, um, how how we develop sex sexually in the church too, because yeah, yeah. um, you know, it'd be a lot of screwing going on in the church, but people don't like to talk about that, you know. Yeah. It, it they will tell us, yeah, yeah, you know, oh, you know, that's not of God to suck a dick. And then the most dick sucking is going on in the church. <laughs> well, you know, it's not, it's, you know, that, you know, missionary is the only way. And then meanwhile, the pastor got somebody turned upside down in his big pastor seat down in his church office. <laughs> you know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All the secrets of the church. Well, I, mean, I guess they're not really secrets. It's and it's not even just the church. It's in our families. We don't yeah. talk enough about how um, how how common uh, incest is mm-hmm. in our families. You know, we will hear somebody say, "Oh, my my cousin used to ask me to have sex with him," mm-hmm. and we say, "Oh, you making that up?" But it's like, it, no, it's it's a, our issue as black people is that we have been taught to be so ashamed of everything you know mm-hmm. that we try to have some semblance of dignity yeah. and and it really does come at the cost of um alienating each other and really abandoning the obligations that we have to mental health yeah 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 and just not uh not talking about things yeah, yeah. not talking about it and you know and 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 you know this like what is the what is the biggest step to dealing with mental health issues? It's acknowledgement. Yeah. And how can you how can you you know deal with anything if you won't acknowledge it? And you know a lot of us we don't acknowledge the shit that we be going through. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um. So, oh, something's going on with my mic. I don't know what's going on. Sorry. Oh, the damn. It wasn't in all the way. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Now your mic been fell up under your titty. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so when did you decide to do comedy professionally? I know you said you started at 16. What kind of like led up to you wanting to do it professionally? I wanted to be a singer. Um, okay. and, and, you know, people preferred to hear me talk than sing. So, so there's that, uh, and, and I come from the theater, and so it was my, my theater teacher and my English teacher, uh, Miss Carol Foster and Miss uh, Jackie, Jackie Davis, who both told me, if you don't go get on a comedy stage, we will fail you. 
Mm. And um, and I didn't want to do no comedy. I grew up looking at it. I knew that I could make people laugh. I knew I was funny in all the stage plays, but I didn't I didn't think it was ideal to do as a career. Um, mm. And it's not something I wanted to do as a career because you know people hear comedy back in the day. People respected comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, if you tell somebody, oh, I'm a comic, most people are going to go, oh, I, I think I want to do that too. It's like not no, you know, no respect for the, no respect for the, uh, for the craft, no respect for the things that have to go into it. It's just the one, comedy is the one thing everybody and their mama thinks they can do. Yeah. Um, I'm curious and I don't want to, uh, date you. Like, I don't want to, uh, reveal your age through this question, but what were, what were some of the comedians that, um, you remember like, uh, listening to and yeah, during the time that you were beginning to start off in comedy? Uh, Jesus and Moses, they were doing comedy. (laughs) They was hitting up open mics back. I'm not that old, uh, but I, I'm 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 getting up there. I mean, when when you mean when I started, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The people who were really doing a lot, you know, even though he's not completely retired, Martin Lawrence is very active. Chris Tucker, uh, Monique. Um, oh my God, who else was around back then? It was it was like the end of that. It was it was during the Def Jam era. So okay. any of the comedians that you turn on Def Comedy Jam and see. They were, and they, and a lot of them are still performing, but that was the era that I came up in, was okay. the Deaf Comedy Jam era, where if you weren't funny, you would get booed off the stage, and um, I yeah. think we need to bring that back. If you are not good at what you do, you don't belong mm-hmm. up there. Mm-hmm. Well, we, no, we, we, we can't uh, do that I'm in PC a, culture, though. You can, and, and, and that <laughs> is the problem, is like we really do live in a culture now in a society now where everybody gets a participation trophy and that's not the real world. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not how you dig deep down and, and, and excellence, true excellence requires you to dig deep, 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 deep down in those spaces where you don't want to go in those spaces where you have to challenge yourself to get to in those spaces where it's ugly and you have to evolve. That's where you have to go down to in order to really become excellent. And if you're always getting pats on the back for half-ass efforts, yeah, you know it's it's it. What's the point of what's the point of the discipline and the sacrifice and all those things that go into making someone truly excellent? You know, um, agree with it or not, if Matthew knows would have been given Beyonce participate Beyonce participate particip- I was about to say partition uh, particip- <laughs> participation trophies. She wouldn't have the work ethic and the drive and stuff that she has today. And so, you know, by telecoddling people and, and, and as, as angry as I was at my mom for a long time, you know, stuff is still working out. I am happy that I did not get coddled growing up because you don't get coddled in the real world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 There's um, a lot of grown ass people out here can't take care of themselves because they got coddled all their life. I I I know you're not dra- I know you're not dragging like people I know, but it just it just relates to some people that I know. I I, I, I probably am. I probably am. You know if <laughs> you know if the if the shoe fits, 
Mm-hmm. They can wear it, and anybody who gets offended when somebody tells the truth, that's why they're getting upset because they know that the truth has been told and the dog has been hit by the rock. When they say hit dog or holler, um, <laughs> you know, it's we really do need to get past the bullshit. You know, it's it's really part of it also is because of social media. Yeah. You know, social media has conditioned us to be like that. So when yeah. you're looking at other people's things before this, you know, we weren't doing that all the time. Most people were worried about doing what they needed to do for themselves and having a good time. Mm-hmm. That's what you were focused on. But now it's, let me go over to this person's Instagram page and see what they're doing. You see what you're doing. You're worried about what other people are doing. And if you're doing that, you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. And if you compare yourself to other people, what does that do? It gives you low, low self-esteem. So, yeah. of course, you know, you see people doing things um, you're going to try to bring them down a pig because you don't believe that you have what it takes to get on their level. And mm-hmm. so that's where all this cancel culture and all that. I don't feel like I'm as great as you. I don't have the tool. It's, it's, it's a lot of different parts. I also don't have the tools that I need to communicate effectively. So rather than communicate, we're just going to shut you out and shut you down and throw, mm-hmm. throw the whole human away. Yeah. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's that you don't throw people away. There's, there's, there's just so much knowledge right there. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, just like, yeah, with social media, just the instant. Well, yeah, comparing yourself to people and then like the instant like gratification, like, yeah, it, it doesn't really teach you how to like really hone in on your craft. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. And not, and not just your craft, but yourself, mm, what you're yeah. doing, how you're living your life, you know, yeah. or, or any of those things you're always worried about what other people are doing, um, you know, and, and it's sad. Like I laugh at people on Twitter who get into arguments with people. Cause I'm like, or, or somebody's <laughs> judging them. Somebody said they don't like your picture. Somebody, you know, most people on Twitter, people forget. And it's because we live, we live through social media where people put snapshots, people put, they put what they want you to see. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we judge things based off of that. And, and that's what we think the, the real world is. We forget that, you know, people in the real world are struggling. People in the real world have issues that they have to try to work out. Like it's all these different things that exist in the real world, but we don't judge social media like that. Oh, these people are attacking me. Yeah. And then, you know, um, we forget that those people, when they log off that computer, a lot of them are sleeping on the floor. A lot of them might be sleeping in the car. A lot of them probably, you know, 18 years old and, and they still got to sleep in the bed with their mama because they just in that dire financial. I mean, it's all kinds yeah. of shit going on. It's basically people throwing stones from glass houses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, what were some of the so when you were starting out and then just through your career, like being an openly black gay comedian what were some of the struggles that you had to face or yeah what were some instances that happened throughout your career um yeah i don't know if i answered that (laughs) asked that right uh it was mostly that um people didn't believe that i was gay and and people also and they didn't believe that i was black either i'm just playing (laughs) uh, i'm playing uh you know the the biggest thing was was the the audience perceptions 
Okay. Um, I was challenged by a lot of audiences. You know, people turn on television and they see Pose, they see Hollywood, they see P-Valley, they see all these shows with black gay people, but they don't understand. Before that, there were, we were, there were a lot of us who were on stage and going to meetings and doing things, fighting so that we could get that visibility. Yeah. And we also had to do that with audiences. So that means that we had to go out because there were audiences who, you know, as soon as I would get on stage and go, I got kicked out of my church for being gay. My mother kicked me out for being gay. My mother did this to me for being gay. Um, my boyfriend broke up with me. Oh, I'm a black gay person. The audience would immediately start saying things. Oh, get your faggot ass off the stage. People would throw glass bottles. Um, people would throw chicken, you know, chicken bones. You know, they'd mm. be up and eating them buffalo wings and they mm. throw, the, you know, um, we had to go through all that. And so it was really just navigating that and learning how to be fearless. Yeah. Mm. And of course, people wouldn't, um, you know, nobody would book you for work. Yeah. So yeah. I had to go out and I had to develop my own following. And, you know, um, and, and I had to grow that from the ground up because people just, they weren't hiring gay comedians. And number one, there were no black gay comedians. Like I was, I've been very modest for, too modest maybe, but like I was one of the, I was one of the first ones. Like I was yeah. out doing that before, before that was a thing. I was doing it. There were yeah. no, no uh, black gay men doing comedy. And then I, yeah, I, I guess, I guess going back to uh, just the comedians that you remember um, watching when you, when you were first starting out, I mean, a lot of that scenes that I've like stuff that I've seen from like, that era of comedy a lot of it was like very homophobic so like mm -hmm. yeah i just wonder how like knowing how the comedy scene was like how how was that just being in in the comedy scene while it was a uh, very homophobic uh yeah okay so it's some of it some some of them aren't homophobic okay you know um some of them aren't homophobic some of them are no different from that ignorant ass cousin you got who <laughs> he he's not homophobic and you know if he saw anybody messing with you he would fuck him up okay, but he, yeah. he's still gonna call you a faggot and a fudge packer and all kinds of other stuff yeah but can't nobody else fuck with you but he's gonna say that ignorant shit and a lot of them are the same way but they still don't understand the impacts that Mm -hmm. zeroing in on a group of folks like that you know minority group like the lgbt and you know calling us names and making us the butt of jokes makes people leave out of those comedy clubs and do the same thing yeah um a lot of people aren't intelligent a lot of people aren't emotionally intelligent a lot of people don't understand hey this is a show let's laugh at this let's and, and me personally i don't mind the gay joke if somebody makes a joke about gay people, I don't mind as long as it's funny. Yeah, yeah, it has to be funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has to be good, yeah. you know, because my thing is I'm not in con I used to be a little bit uh, uh, in it, for, you know, trying to be the gay comedian. I had to leave that alone, you know, because <laughs> our community didn't, didn't care about that. So, you know, I really had to focus on the funny, 100% the funny. Yeah. And my thing is, I'm all about the craft. If somebody gets on stage and they make a joke and it's about gay people and it's funny, I, I'm here for it. But 
if they're just up there because, you know, they got a 45 minute show to do and they, they got 30 minutes of material. So now they're trying to phone it in and get the low hanging fruit. I have a problem with that, yeah. but you know, I, I'm able to understand humor enough and appreciate it. Even if it is something that is about gay folks, because I know that when I get up on stage myself, you know, when that mic gets in my hand, I will stand up there and I'm going to have something to say from the black gay perspective. And I'm usually going to roast their ass because, <laughs> you know, it's just being a black gay person in this business and especially comedy. Whereas a white gay person could do half the job that I do or a regular black, you know, a straight black dude could do half of what I do. I can't get away with that. I have to be two or three times as funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I am two or three times as funny because you just are judged a lot differently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about church boy. Um, just starting off with, with uh, this project, what was the inspiration for it uh, when you were first beginning to think about it? Yeah. I owed somebody some money. So I said, <laughs> well, how can I, I'm just playing. <laughs> That'll do it. Uh, no, it's, you know, I, I really am blessed that, I, um, that I'm able to live well from, from doing this. Uh, so I'm very intentional about anything that I put out. I don't put out garbage. Uh, I've been, I have been working on scripted pieces. Um, I also want to encourage you to go see Church Boy. It's on YouTube. If you haven't been on uh, YouTube and seen my film called Church Boy, you got to look up Church Boy. You yeah, will laugh your ass off. The film is funny. Yeah. Uh, and I'll make sure to link it uh, in the, the the show notes. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a gr- it's it's great. So I was focused on other things, and then I looked up, and uh, people kept saying, "When are you going to do a new project? When are you going to do a new comedy project?" It, it, it had been seven years, so I said, "Well, unless it's time to record," and we ended up recording a week before, um, you know, the quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was perfect timing, right? Yeah, y'all were able to just get it done before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of this came up. Um, madness, madness. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, uh, how do you think this project relates to our current times? Like, you know, talk more about its relation to our current times. Whereas, um, if it's about black gay issues or you know, Black Lives Matter, yeah. What what do you, how do you think it re- the project relates to those things? Um, so overall, I do believe that my work is timeless. My I think the the things that I talk about twenty years from now, it'll still be relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, I in fact think that I'm ahead of my time, really. <laughs> um, and that's just I don't have a problem saying that. Yeah. Um, but as far as this particular set as how it relates to people now, there are issues that we still have around masculinity, black masculinity, yeah. um, how we embrace it and how we um, shun certain aspects of how we show up as black gay men. Mm-hmm. That is in there. And parts of it is also dissected in how I 
approach our experiences in a place like the black barbershop. Yeah. Okay. You know, in, in previous sets, I've talked about our experiences in the church, but you know, a lot of us have left the church. And so we have to go into barbershops. We have to hang around our cousins. We have to, you know, um, be in the workplace. And I talk about all that stuff in church boy, you know, I talk about how, you know, we, we, we code switch, you yeah. know, it's a lot of us are perfectly okay with our sexuality, but it's like some people you just don't want to explain your sexuality to. So you don't mention it. And it's yeah. not that you're in the closet, but you know, you just don't have the energy for the mm -hmm. extra stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the black barbershop is just as sacred as the black church, mm -hmm. but it's also been one of the most harmful, like the black church has been places for black gay men to be but it is important to us because you know how important a crisp shape up is for yes. black men and especially for black gay men as vain as we are <laughs> yeah and i'm curious to know how you're navigating that up there in eugene oregon <laughs> so um your girl knows how to cut her own hair um, okay. I learned how to cut my own hair before I came up here because I was like, I know that there won't be black barbers up here. So listen, listen. <laughs> yeah, you know it's yeah. it's it's, but but also think about the people who deprive themselves of some of our social experiences as black men yeah. because of the fear. The, that the they fear. Have. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely you know, when I, yeah, when I was going to a barbershop, I just, <laughs> I had to like prepare to go because it, I knew one, I was going to be in there for two hours. Mm -hmm. um, two, I knew that there was probably going to be, yeah, um, just a, either football talk or talk about pussy. And, mm -hmm. and, and I saw the clip where you, you, you talked about um, how they start talking about pussy and asking you if you ever had pussy and you like, uh, nope. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, it's yeah conversations about that. Um, yeah, it's like I had to mental, I had to mentally prepare to go, and then just when I was in there, I mean, like stuff would be funny though. Like I've I've gotten a lot of like like good video from you know the dude that comes in and sells you know shit that's broken, um, or um, yeah, just certain characters that. You know, the barbershop has certain characters that always come and just always an, tend to be there. It's uh, an experience. Yeah, it's a yeah. cultural experience. Yes. And, yeah. and, and that's why I talk about it, because just like the church, you know, just like so many other areas for us as Black men. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I try to touch on the lesbian experience and I try to touch on trans and stuff like that. But see, I'm not a lesbian, but I was one time. <laughs> but I'm not a lesbian. I'm not trans. You know, the only thing that I can speak to is are our yeah. dual identities as first black men and then as also black gay men. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really sad that a lot of us are deprived of these cultural experiences because we don't feel welcome. Yeah. And I, I do miss going to a barbershop like um, I, I, I I think the next place I move, I definitely want to have somewhere where I can go to a barbershop. Cause I, yeah, I don't go to church. Um, but I, yeah, I would like that sense of community. It's a sense of community. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a sense of, of affirmation. I think that, that you get, even if it's sublime, 
yeah. you get when you're sitting there with other black men and you're yeah. sharing that experience. You know, it's especially out here in a, in, on the West Coast. Um, think of how valuable of an experience it would be to, and I and 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 it was so bad for me when I first got out here looking looking for black people that I started back going to church. <laughs> I wanted to be around black people. I started going to West Angeles. Church of God in Christ, and y'all know I am so not Church of God in Christ, but I wanted to see Black people, yeah. and I went for a year so I could be around Black people. It's the same thing. You go because we know we live in a world that can be hostile to Black people. Yeah. You live in a world where Black people are not safe in it, so we need those safe havens, and there's nothing more damaging, more, I hate this word, but I'm use it, nothing more traumatizing than <laughs> I hate that word. People use it so much. Um, triggered, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Tr I'm so triggered. <laughs> it's it's life. You're living life. You're not triggered. You're living life. Um, it, you know, um, to be deprived of that experience to go someplace where your family is, your tribe is, people who look like you, and also know that in this world where we aren't valued except for if we're tap dancing or people can steal something from us. You only go to these places where, you know, um, or you go to these places where you should be celebrated and instead of being celebrated, you you go there at home, you're rejected too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so what do you want people to get out of this project? What do you, What is your hope that they'll take away from it? Um, some good laughs. You know, I, I really, really don't put out garbage. If I'm not filling a project, I don't put it out. I only put out things that I am able to pour something from deep down in myself into. Um, I like to create things that people can feel and that give people that feeling, whether they look at it now or whether they look at it again a year from now. I want people to still get that feeling. Yeah. Um, also insights, you know, it's, it's there as a resource. A lot of things that I have created have been resources for younger black gay men, for other black gay men in places where they can't have the conversations that we need to be having about what our lives and experiences look like. Um, think about how affirming and how um, impactful it can be to hear some things that are relatable but that you don't get to have a conversation about, but you can hear them and laugh about them through comedy. Think about yeah. that, how, how impactful that is and how powerful it is and how necessary it is. And that's why I do what I do. I do it because we aren't represented in a capacity that is righteous in this business. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't get to see us in, in enough variety. Um, there should be more of us in comedy, you know, represented on a, on a larger level, um, on a more mainstream level. It shouldn't just be one. It should be about four or five of us running around making money, yeah. you know, selling out venues. Um, there should be more of us in radio. There's no reason why, you know, Jalen should not be getting opportunities to raise your platform. You know, it's, it's people out here who are doing the work who have lived the experiences, who, you know, who have a vision, you know, who, who aren't just in it to be seen, but who can really speak to our experiences and really speak to our community 
and build those bridges from our community back into our larger black community since they don't understand that we are black first, even though we come home and we might lay up with other men. Yeah. Bitch, when I leave out this house, I am black. Get pulled yeah. over in a car with me while both of our black asses are sitting together. The cop is not going to come up and ask who sucks dick in the car. He's going to shoot two black motherfuckers that he sees that he's threatened by. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And so that's why I do what I do. And, and that's what I want people to take away from it. I just want people to, to really be able to cross a bridge of some kind when they see this work. And of course, have a great laugh. And I'm very, I'm very confident in my work. I put out outstanding work. And I can say that people will look at Church Boy and they will, they will be satisfied that they took that 40 minutes and looked at that film. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so last question for this segment. Um, what advice would you have for Black LGBTQ people uh, who are either in comedy or thinking about entering comedy? Um, yeah, what advice would you have for them? Okay, so for the people who are in comedy to just stay committed to it, um, it is a craft, it is a discipline, and that means be, being sacrificed. That means, you know, that means sacrificing, that means being disciplined, that means studying your craft, that means being true to your craft, that means being true to yourself as you do your craft. Um, it's not a game. A lot of people look at this business and they think it's about a spotlight. You know, I want to be seen, I want to be famous, you know, no. You want to be great, and that needs to be your focus. Everything else will come if you focus on being great. Focus on being outstanding. Focus on excellence. Those should be your things, nothing else. It should be all about excellence. It should be all about, you know, discipline. It should be all about the craft. That's it. Everything else will come. Be great, be excellent, focus on your craft. For yeah. people who want to get into it, um, and I don't say this to discourage anybody, but it is a, a tremendously challenging business to be in, especially if you're openly gay and Black. Um, part of it is because we still live in a world that doesn't have a full understanding of who we are. Mm -hmm. the, the positive thing is that the more voices that we have on deck, the more people that we have who are able to articulate it, it will make it easier, but it will be a long time before you're able to just walk into this business as a, as a black gay person and, and get some diversity and inclusion, you know, uh, break. Yeah. You know, that that's not going to happen. You, you're going to have a hard time, but, you know, kind of it's, it applies. You have to be just committed to the craft, study it, you know, find two or three people that um, whose work resonates with you. Um, and, and and study them, but don't be them, study them, you know, yeah. so you can get a, get an understanding, you know, it, it's just like cooking a meal, you know, you want to, um, you might want to add a, a few little ingredients that they have into your stuff, but you want to make your own recipe. Yeah. 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 Alrighty. So. And I, sh I should say, I, I, I was up here being, being a parent about it. I'm, if, if you can't tell Jalen, I'm very serious about my craft. Yeah. Um, and, and lastly, after saying all of those things about this and that, and this and that <laughs> I have to say the most important part of it, have fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah you can yeah. have fun and still be disciplined you just have to realize what a huge part of your life uh 
that comedy of, and not just comedy, whether you want to be a singer or a poet or a dancer or a podcaster or a journalist, that's going to be a huge part of your life. And so you're going to have to work on having balance. Um, and you can't be upset about it. You have to really understand that that's a part of it and just stay committed to it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, I really could go on and on and not, but I'm not going to do that. But it, you know, I, I've, I've gone to places to do shows where I have had to walk four miles from the airport to check into a hotel room, uh, you know, and overdraft my account mm. to, to check in, you know, have to go down to the, uh, <laughs> have to go down to the, to the, uh, to a little town market and go to the bakery and, 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 and dig in my coat and find 50 cent and go through self-checkout and only pay for one of them, you know, and come back to the hotel and warm it up in the microwave or, you know, um, or either go to a hotel that or either, um, you know, sneak, sneak into another hotel that has continental breakfast and steal their food and take it back to my room. You know, it's, I've done all those things and that stuff, people go through it and they want to quit. But you can't quit. Like, you have to go through it. Like, if you don't have those stories, whenever you do get to where you're going, like, who wants to hear, oh, I woke up one day and the next day I made it? No. Yeah. You, you, you want to be able to talk about your, your challenges. So embrace those challenges, but have fun while you do it. Yeah. So much knowledge that I appreciate. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so... Now we've come to the end of the show, part of the show I like to call So Done. And it's basically the part of the show where we can talk about what annoyed us for the week. Oh, my God. So, Samson, what are you so done with? Um, I am so done with... I've been high all week, so I haven't really <laughs> cared. Uh, okay, so since marijuana has been a large part of it, and I've been like just... You know, if you do enough, y'all got it up there in Oregon. You know what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm about to go do it after we get off this call. I'm about to go smoke me a nice flat blunt. Oh, <laughs> um, listen, I got some edibles in the closet right now. Um, but since I have been so high and so unbothered, I will say the one thing that I was over was when I went to the dispensary that's up the street from my house and they had sold out of everything. Oh damn! Like they had like some some sloppy ass uh, fucking um, not the good stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, some some old sad ass depressed looking buds up in there, but they yeah. had no edibles. They didn't have no blunts. They didn't have shit. They had no joints. Yeah, I was people, over that. So it's yeah, people are just buying up weed your way. Damn. Yeah, well, well, people are, I mean, it's like you need something to, to just get through. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You do. And, you know, people, people are doing their things, you know, um, everybody has something, you know, mine has been, um, and it's, it's been very challenging to want to produce anything right now, mm -hmm. even, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. yeah. creatively, it, it, you know, it's been challenging for a lot of people. So people, some people been having sex, some people been eating food. You know, some people have been smoking and drinking. You know, everybody has their thing. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, get through. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, some people, I know one of my friends, he's been so fucked up by this whole thing, he done started fucking white boys. 
Oh. <laughs> I said, I'm going to have to come get you. <laughs> so, yeah, that is something I did want to ask because um, you know, I, I don't know if you know this. I do, I do date a white man. Um, okay. And... Uh, he he's one of the good ones we, we've had okay. to work we've had to work on a few things but you know um he's one of the good ones and uh yeah i was just i was i was listening to you talk about your experience dating white men and yes. the one the first guy you dated the parents talking about oh well he said um well they won't they they they're racist, but they, they'll they, let you eat off they, the plates they let you eat off the plates and stuff and i'm like nigga what i call him a nigga i said nigga what See who are you talking to? Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. This is crazy. No, it's I. I really, I really, and I have a joke about it where I say, you know, I like interracial because there's something in there for everybody. You know, they say once you go black, you don't go back. But fuck that. Once you go white, your credit is right. You know, I I always mm-hmm. say it's a little something something <laughs> in there for everybody. Um, and and you know, I know where I stand personally. Yeah. You know, I do believe that if you find somebody and y'all work and y'all get along and hopefully the sex is good, you know, mm-hmm. it don't matter what color they are, but I know for me, this is just for me. Yeah. And this is no judgment for what anybody else is doing. I am going to be with black men. Yeah. And I, I get I definitely get that considering, you know, your your experience with the, the white men you've encountered oh my god yeah. it's 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 yeah. you know and i and i really don't think people understand how um how how significant it is when you say that you got a good one because there have been a lot of white men that i have dealt with who i'm sure they were sexually attracted to me but they were sexually attracted to me in a way that was dehumanizing. Yeah. And you know, yeah. you don't want to go home at night to somebody who looks at you as their exotic pet or their sex slave. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. you want an equal partner when you go home who values you and your needs and you know, and respects any differences that you have that do include skin color and those cultural experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna be with somebody who I have to explain everything to all the time. And if I say babe i was down at the store and they followed me around oh i think you're you're making that up no bitch there are several other black people who go in that store and had the same experience i shouldn't have to come home and explain that you know if i'm with a white guy i'm with a white guy because if i come home complaining i need him to go they did what they yeah. followed me around the store well god damn it i'm sending an email to the better business bureau i'm gonna call my cousin who. <laughs> Works down at the Supreme Court. That's what you need to do. If you white, we go together. Do that. Yeah. Don't be sitting up talking about some. Are you sure? Yeah. Um. Just, just with, with, yeah, with my partner. Yeah. He ever since he moved here, his, he, he started like really not liking white people, um, along with me, and I just really enjoy it because. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm able to like be like this white bitch said blah blah blah, blah and he's like what? I'm gonna go. Yeah. He, I, I, yeah, I'm grateful for him being proactive about that. Um, and that's good. That's that, I, that. That's what you need. If you are black and you have a white partner, that's what you need. You don't need nobody sitting up saying slick shit and got yeah. you in the back of your head like this motherfucker just say. You know, even with white guys that I have like kind of flirted with, you know, they they're interested. I want to see your cock. I want oh. no bitch. I'm not <laughs> they always say cock come. They always say conk. Yeah. And they say it's not just conk, they call it conk. 
C O N C O N C K conk. Conk. I want some of that conk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I'm just I'm 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 still stuck on you calling the the white man nigga. <laughs> oh yeah, I called it. And you know he was tickled. He was tickled by it. He was so tickled. I said, nigga, what? <laughs> and you know that and, and he ran with it did you just really call me a nigga I said I didn't say you could say it yeah. like, shut up shut up <laughs> shut up um, yeah you know but I, when people hear you say well, well, I, well I prefer to date only black men um, and where I'm at in my life right now who knows because I mean when you you know I'm, who knows I might have two or three boyfriends at the same time the way mm-hmm. I'm the way I'm doing it these days, you know, um, yeah. not doing it like that, but you know, yeah. it's these dudes out here now, it seems like that's the only way, like if they see you got two or three other ones, then they want you. Yeah. So you got to keep it like that. There's going to be three of them. And then that way, you know, chores get done around the house. Um, they're going um, to have to work too. They're going to have to feed me grapes. Uh, they have to take the trash out, do the laundry. Yeah. Help out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So what I'm so what I'm done with this week. Um, well, it's it's not something I'm annoyed by, but it's something like I'm worried about. Um, so the election is coming up um, oh in, in November, and yeah. I because I know how um, con- how oddly conservative um, this area is, although it passes itself off as progressive. I guess I fear, you know, whatever the result is, I fear like just a lot of angry white men um, just encountering them. um, And yeah, I I guess I'm just, um, I don't want to say afraid, but just like a little nervous about how things will be in November once we get those results. And especially because people have been pent up because of um, the pent. Well, uh, people are supposed to be in their house, but that's a different story. Um, but because typically people have been pent up, um, I don't know if the election will be kind of like the tipping point to where like all of this like anger will just unleash. Because there's been protests and stuff here. Um, I think they're still going on. And there's, you know, of course, at those protests, there's been police and arresting people, arresting black people specifically. And just there's already some tension. So I'm just like, I'm just like kind of nervous for November to get here because of just people already feeling that tension. And yeah, I just don't really know how that will be. So, yeah. Well, I think that uh, I think that we know how it's going to be, uh, you know, but what we need to do is start being realistic about it. And so that's why rather than canceling people, we need to allow people to be who they are, say what they want to say so we can know where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, we already know that whether he wins or loses, especially if he loses, yeah, there will be some issues, but we need to be um, prepared for it. We need to be prepared, you know, to engage however we need to engage. Yeah, yeah. 
Whew, okay. All right, so uh, this has been a very uh, fun and educational episode for me. Um, I'm still, like, shocked that <laughs> I'm, I've been having this conversation with you. Like I told you, I'm very honored. Um, you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Go Black Boy Go, and you can listen to it wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can follow Samson on social media at on Instagram at Samson McCormick, S A M P S O N M C C O R M I C K. Uh, also, go to samsoncomedy.com. And I'm also on YouTube. If you get on YouTube, this uh, youtube.com backslash Samson247 is my YouTube channel. I have over a decade's worth of content that you can enjoy. Yeah. Um, and uh, Samson, thank you so much for coming on this episode with me. Um, I, yeah, I can't say enough how uh, honored I am to have you. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And I'll see you next time. It's life. You're living life. You're not triggered. You're living life.